You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 135th Real Reading Podcast with me, Tom Canning. Me, Hugh Fort. And me, Paul Mann. Uh, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and join our Facebook group, the Real Reading Podcast Group. Coming up this week, we continue with our new feature, Building a Reading Citizen. We're looking at just what is going on at Reading FC. Uh, it's just as well you're here for that, Paul. Um, and we are going to take a little mosey down the Rising Sun Art Centre, which is coming up a little later on. We're going to find out what's going on there. They've got some crowdfunding going on um, and all of that kind of thing. Um, before we just move on to Reading Citizens or Reading Citizenship, um, Hugh, you shared a picture of Garrard Street Car Park after last week's podcast where we talked about it coming down. I don't think it's ever looked better. Good picture, wasn't it? Got a nice, yeah. got, got a nice sky in it. Had a nice, yes. It was a nice sunny, unusually sunny for this period of time, although it did rain the second I let it finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, work has begun. I think the only previous time it's looked that good is when it was hidden behind the actual Station Hill development of the time, which which wasn't much to look at either, but it did, at least you couldn't see Garrard Street car park, but it had a nice blue mesh around it. Paul, what did you, what did you make of it? I thought it looked very attractive. Um, I was bordering on checking out to see if it was on Tinder. (laughs) It was so good looking. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't there. Yeah, large Uh, industrial buildings isn't a section they could find them on. But yeah, I agree. It was looking good, Tom. It was. I feel like... Sorry, go on. It was a final farewell, wasn't it? This is how good I can look. And then I'm gone. It's the ultimate tease, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... just, Hugh, is it still standing or is it gone now? No, it's still standing. At, oh. uh, it's going to be months before it goes. Yeah. I got that badly wrong then, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, I went down there, did a Facebook Live report, wandered around, talked about the uh, development. And, um, yeah, but work has now begun. So that car park, by the end of the Reading Council's time, it'll be by the end of the year, it'll okay. be got, it'll be finished. So early, end of this year, early next year. So... I, not, I always, not as long as the demolition of the other side, but no, a sad loss, no one would mm, say. No, I was going to say, after last week's podcast, um, I, I always felt like with Garrow Street Car Park, if you just give it a good shove at a particular point, it just collapsed like a domino. That's that's the way it looked like it was built. It's been corroded by all the uh, li- <laughs> liquid that has been. Yes. Animal waste. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, we are going to just move on just quickly to our new feature. I hope everybody's enjoying our slightly more condensed podcast. We don't meander quite so much anymore. Um, we do try and uh, get on with it and get to the point, which hopefully everybody's enjoying. Um, 
But our new feature, Building a Reading Citizen, this is where uh, I ask the team each week to come up with something that any budding citizen of a future Reading city must have must have done to be considered a true Reading citizen. Uh, we'll be asking for the public to vote on it as to whether it becomes part of our constitution. And so far in the constitution is a pint of something at the nag's head. I didn't want to discount anyone that isn't keen on their alcoholic drinks. So this is a pint of Coke order at the bar or uh, other other sorts of fizzy drinks. Um, I forgot to put the poll up this week, so we don't know if a visit to the Reading Abbey is on the Constitution just yet. That, that worked well, Tom, that thing. It went really well. So, uh, just Classic. To, so, so this week will be a bonus week. There will be two polls going on. I think because I wanted to put it on Facebook, but it looks like Facebook have removed the ability to create polls in Facebook groups. So I think at that point, then something else shiny happened and I had to go off and do that. So, um, Paul, what idea are you are you putting forward? I know that you've got quite a, it's a, it's a, it's more of a, it's so more of a making a morning of something. What, what have you got? Yeah, totally. Um, if you pick it just at the right moment, the ultimate Reading FC, not Reading FC, oh my dear, my brain is obsessed. <laughs> Reading citizen thing to do would be to go to the Gorge Calf, have a quality, um, uh, extremely low fat uh, breakfast there, covered in grease and also flavour. Then walk down just under the bridge onto Cavisham, get attacked by a few swans, then you get a little bit of exercise and you do a bit of a run. But if you get it at the right time of year, you'll also be there for the Redden Festival. So after you've used all that excess energy running away from those evil swans, which I do remember being told repeatedly, it will break, break your arm if it flies into you as a kid. <laughs> and once my brother locked me in the car, locked me outside the car and the swans are running towards me. I am not in any way scarred by that moment in any way at all. <laughs> But you could also get Subway because if you get there when it's Reading Festival, they have a mobile van selling Subway sandwiches and Domino's. Other foods are available just in case. So I think that would be the ultimate day. You'd also get the sound of the music from Reading Festival, which is always a great experience. If you like that music, if you don't, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. So, Paul, you're advocating a fry up, a short walk and then a Domino's. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. I said the ultimate experience. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, we go. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Oh, you could go to the moderation as well. Have a Thai meal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Top it off with a trip into the moderation and have some Thai food in there as well. Oh, lovely. lovely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll bet at that time of the year it's not at all packed. <laughs> in the Ren Festival. No, it's no, not no, no, I, I, I bet no one goes there during Ren yeah. Festival steers well clear um thanks paul can we'll, i just address yeah. one of those points yes i am i have researched this previously and i'm 90 percent sure and if there are any experts out there who would like to get in touch to, if i'm wrong that the fact that the swan can break a man's arm is an, an urban myth and there have never been any cases in this country of swans breaking people's arms I tell you what, Hugh, that would be a hell of a Barcher live video, wouldn't it, live? <laughs> that really would be, wouldn't it? Walk down the river, annoying yeah. swans. <laughs> I'm going to irritate a swan and see how the swans out. <laughs> Can it break a man's arm? I could call the police and then go, long, slender neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, well, if you would like to get in touch with us, um, if you would like to find out how you can vote in the poll, um, here's Jeremy with how you can. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. 
Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Reading Pod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, it's just as well we've got Paul Mann here today. Paul of Elm Park Royals, um, one of the finest fan sites in the country, I would, I would say. Uh, one of the finest fan outputs um, for a football club in the country, certainly. Um, Paul, would you agree with that statement? Uh, I can't agree with that because it'd be incredibly big-headed for me to agree with that. But it's very kind of you to say that, Tom. Um, well, you know, um, there obviously are other uh, other other fan uh, fan media out there. Um, Paul, but your your particular topic, Paul, is Reading Football Club, and and I I want to I want to caveat anything I'm about to say with the fact that last season obviously Reading did very very well on the pitch and I know at the start of the season when we spoke to you you were unsure about how it was all going to go and then suddenly it all went very well and everybody was very happy so suddenly Paul you've lost two games in a row and everything's dreadful well I would say yes we have lost two games on the chart it is technically correct but last night in the league cup we played one of the youngest teams ever Probably you'd have to get some uh, Red NFC historian to look up. I think there was at least seven or eight debutants last night. Um, so it was unlikely we were going to beat a Swansea team that were quite established, a lot of experience, new manager. So I kind of discount that one. And yes, we did lose on Saturday, but we didn't play badly and we had chances and we scored some goals. Yeah, we let some in. But it wasn't one of those games that you kind of would walk away and think, oh, that was dreadful. We've got no chance. You, you have still some optimism still. So it's not necessarily on the pitch, although there are obviously issues. There's quite a thin squad at the moment. It's gone from being a massive squad to quite a thin squad. But it's more the issues off the pitch. And um, certainly, I think I think the, the club's been in the new. There was an Al Jazeera uh, investigation um, off the pitch. There's been some some particular goings on, which uh, I have no idea the, the legal ramifications of us mm. talking about. But if anybody wants to go and watch it and make their own minds up, I think that's probably fair to say. But Paul, what so what what is going? What's the problem? Because it, they, there's another transfer embargo for, for what the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth year running something like that. It feels like it's, it's always been, yeah. It's not quite as long as that. It's been a few years now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's been on and off. I think from probably two or three years, we've been in and out of them. Um, during that time, we've also absolutely caned it with money on spending on players. So you do wonder at what point are we thinking? Hmm. There's a bit of a link between going into embargoes and spending too much money and not getting promotion. <laughs> Let's find out what that is. Mm. Yes, we're more in debt. <laughs> so with the FFP, you can only spend going to lose thirty nine million pounds over a period of three seasons. Well, we're well over that. Yeah. Well and truly, you know, we're, we're making up numbers here. We just have scant regard for that. Uh, we've sold our own ground, so the club don't actually own that. The owner owns that. Uh, the area around the ground, that's been sold to previous owners, not the ones that are actually here now. The training ground, that's a mystery. Nobody knows about that one. Who knows? But you're right, Tom. I think the major issue isn't on the pitch. It's it's not great because the squad is very thin, but I think most fans will kind of see, okay, this happens. Not every time is a good watching a football team. But off the pitch, we have got absolutely huge debts that there is no way we could survive if the owner was to leave. If he just decides to pull the plug on Redden Football Club, which he's done with his two previous clubs, he's got history for doing this, 
we are in major, major problems. Now, the club put the statement out on Monday saying that everything is fine. The owner is committed. The evidence is in the facts in the training ground. The training ground is amazing. I've been to the training ground. I've been through the whole thing. It is stunning. But he could still leave. We just don't know. I've got nothing to say that he will. No indications. But do we want to be in that perilous position when one person essentially decides the whole future of Ren Football Club? And if sometime we see it more and more now with Chinese-owned clubs, the Chinese authorities are making their owners leave the club. I don't want to go into the political meanings of that, but it's a huge worry. And that is a concern for all Reading fans. And if you're not, if you're thinking, well, you know, it'll be okay. It's all about on the pitch that matters. I think when it's this bad, the opposite side really, really matters. And it could be too late. And But the problem is, I don't know what we can do about it, Tom. He's not going to worry about any protest. He's not bothered by that. It's just so frustrating as a fan having no input. And we don't have any right to have any information because we're a fan. It's not a club, but it is a worrying situation. And I've, I've been saying this for years now. And 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 obviously you you've been I've I've seen a couple of times you've been you yourself uh, have been getting it in the neck a little bit um, on on social media because you haven't got the answers and and our colleague Hugh and my colleague John Lowe hasn't gotten the answers out of the club. I I do wonder how you're supposed to to get those answers. Um, I, although unless you can tell me differently, you can't ring up Mister Die and uh, ask his opinion on, on everything. You can't, you just can't do that. He's not, he's ex-directory, I believe. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've tried, I've tried everywhere on WhatsApp and everything as you do, yeah. you know, I, I could do all these different formats, but <laughs> I don't know. I think on the people thinking that I have uh, contacts there, I have a kind of, a, which I understand. They have a bit of a misunderstanding of how it works when you get involved with a club of any type. What you're essentially dealing with is the communications team. And that's probably two or three people. Um, they have no influence on any decision of boardroom level at the club at all. They just relay information. <laughs> so to think that I would have any way of making kind of a statement or pushing them into a corner when you've just mentioned yourself, journalists like Jonathan Lowe can't. And he hasn't been on any national TV station as well. Or radio. So it's not even just that he doesn't want to lower himself, which is ridiculous, to the local press. He just doesn't have any interest in speaking to anyone. This is the thing, isn't it? He's not even on the major outlets of your, yeah. your Sky Sports News or your or Talk Sport. You know, he's not he's not on any of those either. So yeah. you do you do wonder, Hugh. You you look like you're about to ask a. Uh, well, the thing marketing. is, back in the day, Sir John Madeski would speak to the local media because he's a local person and he would raise his concerns about football clubs a run and he would answer questions and engage with the supporters he was a local person who took control of the lo his local football club to make to help make that football club what it is today but the way football went meant that John Modeski who is undoubtedly a very rich man was not rich enough to run Reading Football Club, um, a victim perhaps of its own success. Um, so he then had to sell the club to much richer people who don't have the same, who, sorry, perhaps don't have the same motives for the club, for the club and the local area that he did. Certainly 
the world's poorest Russian billionaire, for example, um, and the various predecessors who, okay, you know, the 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 Thai the Thai owners were at least occasionally in the games and produced that lovely music video that everyone loves so much um, about the club. And but that's been sold. They've gone. Are they gone, Paul? Are they still involved in any way? Or uh, Tides have been gone. Yeah. They own. They yeah. own the the non-existent housing development. Um, yeah. That may or yeah. may or may not happen. Um, so there's that, and now we've got the very very rich Chinese in charge, who perhaps, if maybe call me a bit cynical, perhaps don't have a passionate love for the football club that John Modeski may have had and perhaps see the club as something else um, for them. And yes, as you say, Paul, as a, as a kind of lap, not a lap supporter, but someone who doesn't, doesn't go to games or anything like that. Now um, the concern is complete and total financial meltdown disaster. The owner walking away, leaving unpayable debts. I mean, I think they hope Reading will eventually get to the Premier League and all the money that that offers and that will solve, pay off money owed and stuff like that and generate income and interest and all that sort of stuff. But how are you going to do that when you can't buy any players and you have to release all the the better players because they get paid too much every year Um, unless you unearth another Elise from the academy, um, which you may do. I'm sure the academy's got a lot of very good players in. but it's it's concern. You've seen clubs who've had these owners who've walked away. Uh, Bolton was it? Very nearly went out of business, didn't they? Um, Berry, I think Berry did go out of business. I don't think they had massively rich foreign owners, but they they folded. Um, and that will always be in the back of their mind. But at the same time, the way football is now, there isn't unless you've got a. Roman Abramovich style English bloke from the town, which I don't think there is in Reading, a John, a billionaire version of Sir John, who takes over the club and runs it through love. This is what happens in football now, and so it's a very concerning uh, aspect of the game that leaves clubs like Reading, who haven't got the international global appeal of the really big clubs. Um, basically entirely um, dependent on one person and their money and as soon as that person loses interest or decides they need to build a rocket and go to space instead or something like that um, then that club is pretty much completely and utterly knackered and that must be in the back of the minds of all the fans all the time certainly it's something I think about regularly what happens if he leaves what happens if they leave it's a massive question that hangs over the club Paul, just to uh, just to finish off, um, are you worried? Are you are you are you deeply deeply concerned for the future of Reading Football Club, or or do you think, well, there'll just be someone else rich come along and and take on that, or do you do you think that Reading is destined for struggle? It's a real mixture, Tom, because after seeing the training ground, you do think the build something like this you've got to be committed there's no doubt on that and the fact that he's seen the club through the covid times and 
there was virtually no income at all coming into the club at that point. So you think that's a, those are huge ticks there in the positive area, but the debt we've got is crazy. And unless he's going to have a longer term plan with transfers, which it, what comes back, that's where you get your income from. If you're a size club like Reading, because you have to have players coming through the Academy or very good signings that you sell by a bargain price and then sell for like 10 times what you pay for them. You know, that's the dream scenario. And we have done it before plenty of times, but I'm not seeing that structure. And I don't think we've got the money now to create that structure for transfers. The Academy's all there. I think I am worried on just on the basis of what I was saying earlier. If he just decides or events take over in his life when he says, no, I've done this long enough now. I've put enough money into this club. I'm going to walk away now. Uh, we sorted Anton Zingarevich. It wouldn't be the first time this has happened. It is a concern. Yeah, I think on overall, yeah, I think I'm worried about it, basically. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Um, if anybody has any questions, if you'd like to ask us any questions, please do get in touch. Jeremy will be along in a little while to let us know. But before all of that, uh, we are going to speak to Zach from the Rising Sun Art Centre about their crowdfunding. The Big Interview. Hi, everybody. I am here with Zach Yo, who is joining me on a Zoom call this morning. Hello, Zach. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm very well. Thanks. And you? Yeah, not so bad. Not so bad. Um, obviously, we, we want to talk about the Rising Sun Art Centre. Um, now, I said on the podcast it was in it was in Newtown area. Am I right in that? I suddenly had a funny feeling that maybe I was wrong. Uh, no, it's um, it's in Kate's Grove. It's um, uh, Silver Street, which is just south of the town centre. It's within stumbling uh, boots of the after dark. Oh, fantastic! And, and oh, another another excellent and possibly soon to be much missed venue. I suspect if um, if things go the way they seem to be going. Indeed. Um, so the Rising Sun is launching a crowdfunder. Um, you're launching a crowdfunder to uh, to well to to raise some funds to to get the venue up to scratch post COVID. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Yes, the the main priority is to have some form of um, uh, ventilation in there, which we've we recognise we've always needed. It's just quite a big undertaking. Um, anyone who's endured the oven-like conditions of a, a hot, sweaty club velocity or tribute night in the middle of August will uh, vouch for the need for air. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I've been in there, I'm a, I'm a sound engineer, so I, I'm in there most of the time. And quite often we have people just go out and stand in the car park because they can't they can't stand it, the heat, literally. Um, and the pandemic has really just made it even more of a priority to have air, fresh air circulating around that space to make it healthier and safer for all our customers and our volunteers and everyone who is in that space. Because it's a, a, a built-up residential area, we can't have the doors and windows open because of sound issues. 
obviously having 50 people standing in the car park because they can't stand the heat is also going to have implications for the neighbourhood. Of course, it's not just people making making heat, is it? It's equipment, there's lights, there's there's all sorts of other things in there as well. It's not just a, a, a person count that's a problem. Yes, yes. And it, but it's also, I mean, the heat is an issue, but the circulation of fresh air is, is now even more of an issue. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a few people who have gone home after a hot, sweaty gig and not felt well the next day because they've been breathing 50 other people's air for several hours. So, so this is actually a crucial thing to allow the Rising Sun Arts Centre to reopen, isn't it? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I, it's not a legal requirement because as far as the government's concerned, all restrictions are off and everyone's, you know, it's a free-for-all. Um, but we, for, for our own um, peace of mind, this is a self-imposed restriction, meaning that this is something we need to have to help people feel safe and comfortable in that space. And when we want to be up to full capacity, um, then that's something that we need to do. So you're hoping to raise £10,000. Um, looking at the crowdfunder now, you've, you've raised a quarter of that already. Um, when, how long has the, the crowdfunder been open? It's only been a, a few days. Um, right. Fantastic, then. I think it's, I think it's been less than a week. Um, I should really have come prepared with that information tonight. <laughs> no, 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 not um, at all, not at all. It's, um, it, it's one of those things. I mean, the, the, the fact that, that, that you're already a quarter of the way there, it, I, th- I think, is a, is a, is a great start. Um, so what, what's, your, what's your role at the Rising Sun? I know you, you said you sort of sound engineer, but it sounds like it's a, it's a volunteer-run um, venue. What, what's your role? What are, what are the things you enjoy there? Yeah, everyone, everyone there... Apart from we have the manager who is uh, on a part-time salary, but everyone else is a volunteer. And pretty much everything that happens there happens because volunteers want to make it happen. Um, and so, yeah, one of my main roles is, is the sound engineer. Um, I'm also part of the programming team. So I'm partly responsible for the events that appear in our program. Um, and also sort of, Combining those two roles, every year we have a, a, a festival, a one-day festival called Here Comes the Sun, and I'm always involved in helping to organise that. And that's, the, that's quite a big undertaking because we, uh, we have three stages, including the garden outside and uh, the lounge upstairs, uh, all with stuff going on, bands and poetry and comedy and, and whatever we find to put on to make a varied programme. How did, you, how did you get involved, Zach? Um, I, I'm trying to think now. It's, I've, I've been involved for nearly 20 years, so wow. since the early 2000s. And, uh, and in the 90s, I used to come to Reading because it had a thriving music scene. I lived in Maidenhead at the time. And I ended up moving to Reading because I was spending more time there <laughs> than in Maidenhead. Um and I used to go to the Rising Sun myself to see gigs and realised this is a cool place and it seems to be all volunteers here. How do I get involved? Uh, and I started off, like most people, just helping out behind the bar and then it developed from there. I've got a 
I think I probably just walked up to the sound engineer and said, how do I do what you're doing? And uh, that's probably how it happened. That's often how it does happen at the Rising Sun. People just get interested and get involved. It's, it's quite something, isn't it? Because you, you, as you say, you can start with, with volunteering. It can it can go anywhere. And you, you often sort of think like volunteering often can be maybe like you end up doing a litter pick or something like that. But actually volunteering at some of these kind of community-based groups and, and events and venues, you, it can grow into something where you've, you've learned an actual, almost a marketable skill in the end. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's uh, the rising sun is a, a kind of a low-pressure environment in which to acquire those skills uh, because it's it's okay to be not very good to start with yeah uh, you can you just grow into it and everyone's very supportive and forgiving did you did you have one of those kind of make or break moments have you, have you had a moment like that where it's sort of this is all going terribly bad or 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 i've managed to save the situation have you had have you had one of those or a few of those Uh, well, we've had a, a number of, well, I remember the electricity going <laughs> on a number of nights. That's sometimes, that's a bit, that's a bit uh, scary. Uh, I know, just uh, when everything goes, everything stops working at once. Um, but the, the relief for me is when I realised that, oh, that wasn't my fault. I didn't do something wrong. Uh, but that, that can be fixed. Um yeah, if someone's instrument stops working and we realise that it's their battery or their cable, then I think, oh, OK, I'm not to blame for that. That's a relief. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you've, you've learned an awful lot over the last two decades. Um, what what kind of events would, would people expect to see at the Rising Sun and, and what maybe is your, your favourite? Um, well, it is, as, as the name suggests, it's an art centre, so it's not just a live music venue uh, that is probably where we get most of our income from they're the most popular nights um, but we've had art exhibitions there uh, dance classes hand drumming workshops circus skills uh, life drawing um, burlesque uh, dance events um, and uh, yeah just a huge range of stuff uh, but for me, my main passion is is the live music, and that's that's where being a sound engineer is. You know, get more involved. It's more more complex. Um, obviously, live drawing doesn't require any sound support. Um, so yeah, that, that's, and and I I run an event there called uh, Tribute Night, which is uh, I just pick an artist, and anyone who wants to play a song by the artist comes along on the night. It's a very fast turnaround, and most of the people in the audience are people who have either just played or are about to play. So it's very, it really fits the inclusive and participatory ethos of the centre. Um, and what, what is, if you had a favourite event or a, a favourite night there, the one, one that really sticks sticks along in the memory? Uh, well, sometimes. Sometimes I end up, I find myself in a position of uh, doing sound for someone that I've really loved in the past, you know, or someone who, whose, whose music I, I really adore. Um, and I have to try and be professional and not too gushy. Um, 
for example, uh, you know, we've had Mark Morris from the Blue Tones plays there quite often. Um, uh, Richard Oakes from Suede has his, his, his new non-Suede project that he, he played there as well. So it's quite nice afterwards just chatting to him about about his stuff, about his music and suede and, and uh, yeah, trying not to be too dashy about it. So those thoughts <laughs> stick in my mind. Um, but also just having, like, there's, we have lots of up and coming young bands who have this, who just love having this opportunity to play and they just want to play as much as possible. And it's great to see them develop and they start off looking quite timid and then he, after a few times of seeing them, you see, oh, they're starting to develop quite a swagger now. They're looking, they're developing their confidence. And uh, and then they go off to start playing bigger venues and play at Reading, uh, Reading Festival. People like the Keep Cats and uh, Area 52, I think they were called. Now they're called Valeras. Um, yeah, bands like that, uh, for, for whom a place like the Rising Sun Arts Centre is an invaluable opportunity and a, a place to develop their, to develop develop their their craft and their relationship with their audience and you can see it happening you know you just even developing that that's that, that's a great thing to, to witness just uh, just to finish off Zach, I can see you've got uh, you've got an, an instrument in the background there behind you is, is it do you play yourself Oh yeah, that wasn't uh, placed there as a, as a <laughs> deliberate, uh, you know, like some people have strategically placed books on their bookshelves and I've got strategically placed bass. Uh, but yeah, I, I am in a band and uh, they're a, a soul Motown covers band um, called The Mark II. And we played our first post-lockdown gig uh, a couple of weekends ago, which was quite thrilling. It's good to good to get always good to get back out there. Um, Zach, just to, yeah, as I say, just to finish off. Obviously, the the crowdfunder is is ongoing at the moment. Where can people find out about the crowdfunder? Um, there, there are links off the Rising Sun Art Centre's um, own website, which is Rising Sun Art Centre or one word dot org. Um, and yeah, there, there's little news articles on there with the links. Uh, I've gone to it now and I can see right there, straight on the front page, written by Damien, we've launched a new crowdfunder campaign. So that's probably the easiest way to go. And it'll be all over Twitter as well. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's got off to an amazing start. I think that's, uh, I mean, we know that, the Rise Art Centre is a much valued and loved place and community hub in in Reading. But when you do something like this, when you sort of, it's always a bit awkward saying, "Please, can you help us out?" But then, when the, within a few days, I'm just scrolling down here, and the first donation is the eighth of August. So that's uh, less than a week ago. And we're already a quarter of the way there, which just, when you see that love pouring in, in that way, it just makes it, you know, kind of, it just brings it home, uh, how much people want this place to, to reopen and, and carry on doing the things it was doing before. 
Zakio, thank you very much for joining us today. It's much appreciated. Thank you. The Big Interview. Thanks to Zach there from the Rising Sun Art Centre. Um, I haven't been to the Rising Sun for a long, 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 long time. And this is the art centre up uh, near Newtown rather than the derelict pub in the town centre, um, just for anybody who who uh, <laughs> ended up at the wrong place. I don't know. I'm sure that's happened. Um, guys, have you got experience of the Rising Sun Art Centre? No, Paul, no. Shaking no. his head. No. Hugh, I'm sure we went there. I feel like I went with you, but I it was a long, long time ago. I can't recall ever going there, to be honest. I couldn't tell you what it looks like inside. Fair enough. Well, I mean, this this feels like a, a good point to um, to to move on then. Uh, in, in that case, given that we, but it, I, I think um, just just uh, if people are thinking about getting things back to normal, then you know, getting out, getting a little bit out of home, and and, and supporting local arts, and, and and getting out and about, and and all of that kind of thing. Then you know, there, Reading has got some absolutely smashing places to go. So let's let's get out and and support them, and, and make sure that next time I ask the question about the Rising Sun. Answer. We've got an absolute answer, which which would be uh, which we got. I have definitely been. Um, there was a there was a, I think there was a music event there, and uh, I it was it was it was really enjoyable. It was very uh, very kind of community spirited, which was which was great. Um, and they had a lot. It was it was sort of lots of sort of music that I wouldn't you wouldn't normally have heard, it, it, or, or perhaps wouldn't have normally listened to. So it was it was it was really enjoyable. Um, anyway. Um, I mentioned Jeremy would be along. Here he is. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, we had some good response as well last week to our interview with, Turu, with Anne from Two Rivers Press. That was really great. Um, so I'm hopeful that we'll be speaking to Anne again soon um, or, or in the future. Hugh, I know uh, you, you're a big fan um, of, of Two Rivers Press. and They do some absolutely wonderful books as well. Um, in the meantime, that's quite enough for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Um, if you know someone we need to speak to, then please do let us know. Um, and do get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you also have a moment, we'd love a rating and a review on your favourite podcast app. Um, but we'll be back next week for more Reading Podcast goodness. Bye! Bye! Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.